We're into chapter 7 today. My title is Trust God's Timing and Truth. We're going to begin at 7-1. We've covered, we've read this a few times, but we haven't really talked too much about it. You can never talk too much about the Word of God. Let me read the text for today. John chapter 7. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judah because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, (laughs) but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private, The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, He is a good man. Others said, No, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews, therefore, marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but is, but, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? We're going to pause there. It's in the middle of the conversation, but there's only so much we can do on one Sunday morning. Let's uh, open with prayer. Father, thank you for uh, this 
precious word that you have given us. Your word tells us that all scripture is breathed out by you. It's your, your word, your voice, your breath, and it is, it is profitable in and of itself, inherently profitable. All scripture is a prophet to us, to teach us, to reprove us, to guide us, to give us knowledge and truth, and to prepare us so that we could be prepared for anything that comes our way. Thank you for giving us your word, and as we look at this specific part of your word, we trust you, O Lord, to teach us all. And we always pray only through the authority of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So once again, this begins in a very dramatic fashion, chapter 7. It it tells us uh, that Jesus went about in Galilee. You remember, up the close of chapter 7, he is in Galilee, and he, excuse me, the close of chapter 6, and he's been teaching just, just profound, amazing, wonderful, confusing and perplexing truth in chapter 6. And the crowd keeps getting smaller. <laughs> the longer he talks, the more he says, the fewer people like it. Uh, and they leave in droves, and, and it says, verse 66, Chapter 6, verse 66, 666. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So people just, they were disciples. They said they followed him, but they were fake. They were only committed to him as long as, A, he was giving them what they wanted, and B, they could easily understand what he said because it was just light and airy, uh, light fluff, the stuff of a Hallmark card. You can attract crowds with, with that. Uh, but Jesus was giving them raw meat, <laughs> a strong, amazing theological perspective that we'll talk about uh, a little bit later, too. So he's, he was down to just the 12, apparently. We don't know exactly. But in verse 67, he turns to the 12 and says, Do you guys want to go away, too? And Peter has a great confession. No, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We looked at that last week. And that's the close, and he's in Galilee. Then chapter 7 opens up essentially six months later. So he's been in Galilee for six months at this time. And by the way, historically, this is the last time he'll be in Galilee um, until the crucifixion. The Gospel of John is moving toward the cross, uh, moving us toward the cross. He'd been up there about six months, and the way he records it, it says he would not go, this is chapter 7, verse 1, he would not go about in Judea. Judea is the south land. It's the religious center of the Jews, and Jerusalem is the big center of Judea. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. The Jews actually had more influence in Judea than they did in Galilee. Galilee was a real metropolitan environment, kind of like Berkeley, you know. Anything goes up in Galilee. Um, This is not Berkeley, this is Judea, and Jesus is knowing that the Jews want to kill him. I I, I think the way he lays it out, I, I I think it's sort of general knowledge. I might be reading into it too much, but I think it's general knowledge. In other words, I think probably his brothers knew this too. 
which makes it even more sinister that they're saying, why don't you go down to Judea? <laughs> they want to kill you down there. His brothers don't believe in him. I don't know exactly what's going on. I, 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 we don't know, but they're, they're treating him poorly, and uh, they want him to go away. They want him to get out of there. They're taunting him. It's a lot of tongue-in-cheek. You know, why don't you do this? Go away, do your miracles, you know, like what he says there in uh, verse 3. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. Um, you have followers down there. Go work for them. Uh, go ahead on to that feast and be a big splash down there. For not even his brothers believe in him. What is Jesus' response? And we're going to focus on this this week more. It's, it's about timing for Jesus. It, you can see that in the way it's laid out here because the timing issue, they're the big brackets on this little paragraph. My time has not yet come. And then see in verse 8, for my time has not yet fully come. He, he's he's going to resist their temptation. He's not going to go with them like in a pilgrimage with them, uh, down to Jerusalem to the feast, as would be typical. They usually traveled together in caravans, uh, going together. Um, you know, we have, in fact, the whole series of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And that idea is, is when you're on your pilgrimage, you're, you're ascending to Jerusalem, even if you're coming from the north, because the holy place Jerusalem is always up, the Psalms of Ascent would be psalms, songs that you would sing uh, as you go along on, on your way in this pilgrimage. He didn't want to go with them. Uh, he says, my time has not yet come. So Jesus, let me see here, see if this, this works here. I think it might, yeah. Trust God's timing. I have two, two points today. It's real simple. Trust God's timing and trust God's truth. Trust God's timing and trust God's truth. Jesus will not be pushed around by his brothers. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to be bullied. Uh, he's, he's grown, um, you know, you kind of uh, equivocate when you talk about Jesus because he's always God and man. But as a human being, he did grow and learn and grow in stature uh, it came from a little one and to a strong man. And he's a man now. And he's simply not going to be affected by even his brothers. This is actually a common theme in the Gospels. Jesus will say really radical things about this. It's a warning. He says, a lot of times, a lot of times, your own family will be the opposition. They will be the ones who try to get you to turn away from Jesus. Um, and so he says, he goes, Jesus liked to speak in extremes. He says you have to hate them. And what he means by comparison, you may have to turn your back on your own mother. If your mother says, no, don't believe in Jesus, don't go to church, don't read your Bible, that's a full of myths, and it's ridiculous. If your mother says that, then she is not leading you the right way. She's leading you away from God. And you have to turn away from her and her advice, you still love her, but you will not obey her 
You won't give in to that pressure. And, and here's Jesus giving us that example of not giving in to family pressure. He's going to do what's right. He waits, and you could put a comma there. We debated this earlier. He waits for he has a perfect time. This is the nature of God, dear friends. You know, we're trying to define who God is. God knows what he's doing. He has a perfect time. Now, in little limited areas, you and I can understand this. Um, my wife's away caring for my dear mother, giving respite to my mother, my sister-in-law. Wonderful thing. I totally admire, you know, a daughter-in-law going to care for mother-in-law. Uh, e even that's amazing. But when, when your mother, my mother has uh, s uh, some senility, it's tough. It's tough, right? Well, anyway, all that to say, Charlotte's away. So dad's the bachelor father, which means I'm sort of the cook, right? <laughs> sort of. And I have a few recipes I'm really good at, I must admit. And one of my best recipes uh, is grilled chicken. And I've got this, mm, let's see, what's the word? Process I go through. I like simple things, simple process. I, I, I get the chicken, I get the leg quarters. You know, in India, they call those joints. <laughs> leg quarters. I, used to, I visited India, they said, brother, you want a joint? <laughs> no, 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 I, I don't know what you heard, but that's not. <laughs> and they figured, well, you're from California, you know. <laughs> I kid you not, it's called a joint. But anyway, uh, so I, I buy the uh, leg quarters, and, and I fire up the barbecue, uh, you know, the briquettes, and you get it all nice and hot put the briquettes really low and put, the, put those on there. And I close the lid, come back a half an hour later, flip them over, cook another half an hour, and they come out perfect every time, okay? Which I like, it's simple, right, simple. And, and I know the timing on this. I, I, I know, you know, honestly, I'm hungry. If I come to it after 20 minutes, open it up and start eating the chicken, I'll probably get sick, right? It's gonna be raw and bloody and horrible. Uh, but if you, you trust the recipe and you wait for the right time, it comes out wonderfully perfect. And in little areas, we know what that's about, right? God knows what it's about in every area. He, he's the maker, designer, and he's the R&D of this whole colossal, wonderful thing that we get to participate in. And he's infinite. <laughs> he's wonderful. And he has a perfect time. He waits. Jesus waits for the perfect time. There's a principle. Uh, let's see. I wanted to make two points here. One, as I said, God knows what he's doing. God waits. God is waiting. He's waited for the consummation of his creation since before he created it. I mean, he had a, the whole thing planned, even sin and the death of his son and redemption and this moment now as a part in the process. He had it all planned before it happened. That's, that's the nature of God. That's what it means to be God. See? And... He waits. 
for the whole consummation of it patiently he's not going to force it he doesn't want to jump into it too soon he's not going to open the barbecue in 20 minutes and see if it's done yet he knows what he's doing and this is uh, what I call I'm having a problem with my remote as usual <laughs> let's see okay okay that's interesting could you just give me the next slide I'll just do that from now on I've got we're going to fix it someday. Yeah, this, this is one of my teaching points. It's the principle of delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. It's deeply in, in, intertwined in the nature of God's creation. That if you wait for the thing to do it at the right time, that's when... Your, all your de desires and needs will be gratified and satisfied. If you force it and do it at your own darn time, excuse my French, I think that was French, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> you're going to mess it up. And, and the enjoy enjoyment of it will be soured and bitter. And this is the very nature of our rebellion over and over again. Next slide, please. Without God, there is no time control. Do you see that in this little feedback he gives to his brothers? Verse 6, my time has not yet come. I'm not going to open the barbecue yet. No, I know you're hungry, but no, you have to wait. My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. See, without God, without believing in the purpose and plan of this infinite divine being without believing that everything has a plan and purpose and he knows perfectly what and where and when without believing that without god there's no time control it's i do whatever i want with whomever i want i'll do it whenever i want because i'm suddenly the god of my own existence and, and you get at the very nature of the rebellious human beings that we are. We, we say to God, God, no, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm going through. If you only understood what I was going through, you would, you would approve this, or you would approve that. Next slide, please. He waits, for he has a perfect time. The hating is out of control. My, my little daughter, Brigida, has various words for hate, like hater and the hating, and <laughs> picking up some of her, her vocabulary. But that's what's happening in, in Jerusalem. The hating of Jesus is out of control. They're, they're lividly angry at Jesus, and he doesn't want to step on the, the, the bait, you know, at the wrong time. This is the Feast of Booths. He has to last until the uh, Feast of the Passover. It's a long time from now. Uh, and he, interestingly enough, is, is humanly working the system. I mean, he could have divinely, you know, become the Iron Man or something and uh, flew through there and no one could have touched him. But no, he's, 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 he's incarnate. He's a human being. And he's saying, I don't want to go up with a big pr procession uh, because that's too public. I'm going to go up in secret. And... His time has not yet fully come. The language here is, is a little difficult because he does say uh, right to them, I am not going to this feast. 
verse 8. I am not going to this feast. It's so tempting that a lot of the Greek texts uh, put in, I'm not going yet to this feast, but it seems probable that the best texts are straight out, I'm not going to this feast. But it's in the whole context. As I said, the paragraph is bracketed by, my time has not yet come, and he's not going to this feast, not yet, not now. Uh, a little later, it happens to be two, three days later is when he actually ends up going. Uh, but he's, he's not going to be pushed by the disciples. He waits for it as a perfect time. The hating is out of control. He doesn't want to go for the, you know, the cheese on the rat trap at this point. Next slide, please. The world hates him because he points to their sin. There's a theological mouthful here. We looked at it really briefly last week, but I think it's well worth looking at it again. Verse 7, John 7, verse 7. The world cannot hate you. See, there's a way to get along with everybody, and, and it's just to be totally wishy-washy. It's to be totally whatever, dude. You know, <laughs> it's sort of a Santa Cruz thing. Let's, you know, let's go surfing and your lifestyle, whatever, me, whatever. Hey, you want a joint? Yeah, well, is it, is it, is it well done? Or, I mean, <laughs> did you cook it more than 20 minutes? Um, it, it, there, there is a way to be popular, and it's to stand for nothing. And this, Jesus said this in, uh, what, is, what time did he say this? Roughly, let's make up a number, 30 A.D., 30 AD. It's just as current today. It's absolutely as current today. It's a part of sinful humanity. I just don't want God telling me what to do. I want to be my own God. I don't want some outside force telling me what to do. So I hate it. I'm, I'm, I'm not even neutral on this. I hate it when you stand for something. That is a huge reality, dear friends. If you stand for God in your home, in your workplace, uh, people will hate you just for that. They will see you as a dangerous person. Why? Because you are. <laughs> you, you represent the need for them to come to God. It's really not dangerous. I mean, it's the way of life and peace and health and wholeness. It's, the Bible calls it sound doctrine, which means healthy doctrine, but it's strong. It's, it's straight up and real doctrine. See verse 7. The world cannot hate you. You don't stand for anything. But it hates me because I testify about it that, it, that its works are evil. Now, reading through John, I didn't hear Jesus up on a soapbox screaming out, you're all condemned. You're all going to hell. You're all a bunch of evil, uh, horrible people. You don't see that, do you? So why, why does he say this? Why does he say, I testify about it that its works are evil? Click on the next slide, please. How? How is he testifying? By repeatedly and emphatically saying that there is no hope without him. He says it in a positive way. Uh, chapter 6, verse 53 through 56. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, 
again, I, linguistically, you've got to remember, that's super emphatic. A, the literal Greek is amen, amen, and he's, he's speaking Hebrew words when he says that. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you, you have no life in you. See, if you don't participate in Jesus, there's no hope for you at all. So your default mode is remaining in your evil and condemned and dead if you don't turn to Jesus. Emphatically and repeatedly proclaiming the gospel that this is true. Um, look at the word here in verse 54. Whoever feeds, and I, I, hope you, I hope this is repetitive, I hope you're writing it down somewhere. These are present tense verbs, which means whoever is in an ongoing way, this participle describes them. They are the ones who feed on my flesh. They're the ones who drink my blood. They have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides. He's staying in me. See, he participates. He partakes, not holding back. He's full into Jesus. People think he's crazy. <laughs> he's, he's completely uh, abiding in Jesus because he knows that outside of Jesus, it's death. He's the only means. You can't be partially committed. You know, one foot in, one foot out. You're, you're all in or you don't understand the situation. And, and that's, what, that's what he's saying. When I, I said that they were evil, I said it by saying that I was the only means of hope for them. Uh, I'm the only way that they can avoid the reality. Look at Acts, please. I have here Acts 4, 11 and 12. The, the disciples picked this theme up from Jesus and said things like Acts 4, 11 through 12. Publicly, outside, they said in a sermon, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the good news. Jesus is the only way. There's no other name for all cultures, all times. Jesus is the way. This is the proclamation of the good news. You could call it bad news, too. Because if you're not in Jesus, if you're claiming an indigenous religion, a cultural identity that doesn't allow you to come to Jesus, then you're lost. You're not saved. You are still in your sin. You're still under the wrath of God. Jesus is the only way of salvation. There's no hope without him. See, so the, the apostles preached what Jesus taught. Jesus taught it emphatically and repeatedly that he is the means of life. And that's exactly what they preached. And it is the basis of missions. They put the word missions on it, missions month. Uh, that's what we're proclaiming to all of these cultures. Jesus is the only way to 
life eternal. Next slide, please. This is, oh, go ahead back. Sorry. You said, you said that looks like the same slide. It is. I just wanted to repeat it again. Trust God's timing. Jesus will not be pushed around. It is not the time yet. The principle of delayed gratification, without God there is no time control. He waits for, he has a perfect time. The hating is out of control. The world hates him because he points to their sin. How does he point to their sin? By repeatedly and emphatically saying that there is no hope without him. Now next slide. And this will be trust his truth. I'm just going to finish the text here uh, rather quickly. Back to, to John chapter 7. Let me read the text again really quickly. Just a few verses here. Uh, picking it up at verse 9. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him. There's this controversy. Who is he? The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. He was the topic. They were muttering about him, but carefully and in a closed way. They were afraid of the Jews. While some said he is a good man, others said, no, no, he's misleading the people. He's leading them astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple. So he goes up into the most populous center in this religious feast into the temple, and he began teaching. And his enemies are around him in this crowd, and they, they marvel. They say, How can he know this stuff? And Jesus gives the glory to God. He says, my teaching is not mine. He didn't make it up on his own. It is from the one who sent me. And here, here's a gem we're going to look at in just a minute. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. You could even say authentic there, real. Jesus is real, he is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Next slide. Who is he? Next slide. He's, he's, go through this rather quickly. He's a good man, he's misleading them. Notice that if they said this out of fear, they were afraid of the popular opinion. They were afraid of being persecuted themselves. They didn't want to identify with Jesus because, hey, if you identify with Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. He's the hated one. I will be quiet. I won't identify with him. Um, but who was he? He's a man who spoke God's truth. Glorious here. He says, I am true, authentic. I speak the truth. I speak what God has given me to speak. I don't speak on my own authority. And then there's this gem here, how to know the truth. How can you know the truth? And it, it's interesting here. Look at it in verse 17. If anyone's will is to do God's will, and this is actually a little kind of a play on words as it's originally written. If you're willing, if you're willing to do the will of God, the same word, you're willing to do the will. If, if you want to obey God and you're willing, 
No holds barred. No, maybe I'll do a little bit. Maybe I'll obey a little bit now. No, you're, you're full on, Lord. I want to obey you completely. I'm sold out to you as the Lord of all. If you're willing to do God's will, then you'll know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. Kind of interesting because it puts a willingness to submit to God as a means of, of knowledge, of knowing the truth. When we obey God, when we submit to him, then we'll know his truth. See, a lot of people want to turn it around, right? They say, well, when I fully understand it, then I will obey him. Then I will submit to him. And he's saying, no, submit to me, and then you will fully understand it. He will reveal it. He's looking for us to submit to him as the Lord. And then he will reveal himself to us. Next slide. He's a man who is true and without falsehood. This is Jesus. He's authentic. He's real. He's not hypocritical. He's in the midst of a whole crowd of hypocrites. His own brothers are treating him hypocritically. Why don't you go down, Jesus? Show off your signs down there. And then the Jews, the religious leaders, they're the moral compass of society. They want to kill him. Why? Because he does miracles, and we don't like his teaching. He's in the midst of all kinds of hypocrisy and betrayal and treachery, and he is the authentic, real thing in the midst of that. It's like laying a diamond on the black velvet. Jesus shines forth as in all his glory. That's verse 18. It's just a wonderful verse. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no unrighteousness or no falsehood. Next slide. And yet he's a vilified man. Who is he? He's a good man. He, they say he's a misleading man. But he really is the man who spoke God's truth. He's a man who is true and without falsehood, yet he is a vilified man. They say he has a demon. You can't even expect Jesus to get all positive results on Yelp. You know? There's a lot of people who don't like him. There's a lot of people who don't like Jesus. That doesn't mean he's false. That means you need to do your work and understand who he is. Obey him, and he will reveal himself to you. Next slide. So what? This is how I end my sermon today. You might say, that, yeah, so what? Yeah. So what? Jesus is always true. In God's timing, his truth will be displayed. The enemies of the word of God are saying, don't be on the wrong side of history. Uh, it's a big argument about you know, promoting homosexuality and homosexual marriage and all those things. They say, you're on the wrong side of history. You're old and fogey. Well, I'm going to turn that right around and say, no, you're on the wrong side of history. History is going to show that Jesus is true, and the Bible is right, and it's going to be displayed, and there will be no argument at that point. So you're veering away in, your, in your, all your wisdom. You're, you're veering away from the wisdom of God. Be on the right side of history. Sin is rebellion against God's will. If you're willing to do his will, he will reveal himself to you. And sin is just that inner part of us that says, no, not now. A little bit later, maybe, you know. After this, after that, I want to enjoy it just one more time. 
you know, or, or if he really understood my situation, he'd allow me to continue to live this way. No, all of that is rebellion against his will, just saying, no, I don't want you, God. Sin is always rebellion against the timing and truth of God. It's always saying, maybe you don't understand that fruit, God. Maybe that fruit's really okay. Maybe there's something you're trying to hide from us. And I want it now, and I'm going to take it. God, reveal his truth to us. Our psalm said, may his people hate evil. Help us to abhor it, oh God. Help us to loathe sin and turn from it. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, in your kindness and grace, help us to see Jesus as the, the truth the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you so much that we can worship him this morning. And Lord, open our hearts to the truth of this text, I pray. Help us to see that your timing is perfect. Help us to trust you. There's so much in life that depends on timing. We want it now. We want you to fix it now. We want you to snap your fingers and make us healthy and provide for us and make our ro road easy, Lord. But we know that that's uh, not your will all the time. And our Savior Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. We know that is your plan and in your timing. Help us to trust your timing completely and trust your truth. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.